the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Good to be with you today. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and I'm also a dad. I've got a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. I mentioned yesterday my 13-year-old is on a school, his eighth grade trip, and uh, he's back east. He's been in Washington, D.C. He's in New York today. And it's an amazing thing for me thinking about this because my eighth grade trip I mentioned was to the La Brea Tar Pits. So uh, <laughs> I'm thinking his is more memorable. And I get this text from him today that says that he's he's been throwing up. He's got some, we think it's food poisoning is what we think. And I said, well, where are you now? Are you back at the hotel? He's with a class and a big group of people. And I said, are you at the hotel? And he says, no, I'm sitting on a random bench in New York. <laughs> And I'm going around. You're just sitting there. Did they leave you behind? What? Do you, what is this? You're on. A, and I'm imagining there's a lot of benches in New York. Are you in a safe neighborhood? Is there a safe neighborhood? Where are you? Anyway, I said, well, take a picture of that bench because one day we'll go back together and we'll visit it. You know, your bench where apparently you threw up in New York. Uh, anyway, he's, he thinks he's doing better. They went to a nurse or something who says that they, I think they have a nurse actually with them on the trip, which is nice. Who They think it's food poisoning. And I said, well, you weren't supposed to bring any food poisoning with you on this trip. It's not on the list. Anyway, you know, as a parent, there are decisions that you make, you know, for your kids. Some, some parents decided they didn't want their kid to go on this trip and that's fine. You know, uh, they maybe had trouble raising some money. It's relatively inexpensive as far as these trips go, but uh, it's some money and uh, you got to sacrifice for it or you got to go out and sell some lemonade or do something to earn your time. But, you know, I completely respect, here's something I want you to think of. I completely respect the parents who said, nope, my kid's not going to that for whatever the reason. Maybe they had a family birthday. Maybe they couldn't afford it. Maybe they just are, you know, maybe it's just some people it's hard, right? It's hard. This is the first time for Christy and I that one of our boys has been away from from us this long. I think James went to a camp one time and it was he was gone five nights. Maybe it was six nights. That would be the longest since the day he was born, right? I've never been I've been on a business trip maybe for five or six nights. That's the longest I've been away. So he's gonna be gone two weeks. He's in New York. He's across the country. I mean, before he was even just up the mountain, we could drive there. It's harder to drive to New York overnight but I bet I can do it. Unless you have an electric vehicle, you can't. Uh, Anyway, the point here is that parents have a right to make these decisions, or do they? Now, I want you to think about this, and it's really, really important. I know that some of you aren't parents yet. Some of you are grandparents, and so I'm asking you to remember. But don't you think that parents should have the right on a lot of these things. What if we as parents decided I want my son to come home because I'm worried that he's got something worse than the, the food poisoning? Should I have the right to get him home? What if I wanted him to have a different kind of medical attention because he's throwing up and I, you know, and I maybe I want a second opinion from this nurse. Don't I have the right to do that? Shouldn't I have the right as a parent to help my son who's 
you know, he's a he's a mature 13-year-old, but he's the 13-year-old. That's that's who he is. He has never seen I've never seen New York actually. I've seen it in pictures. I know it exists, but he's he's traveling places I haven't been. But, you know, I think as a parent I should have this. Now, something that's going on in the country in a lot of different areas, but in particular in the areas of of transit gender transitioning for minors, okay? We're not talking about grown-ups here which is a completely different but important subject. But we're talking about gender transition, drugs, surgeries, you know, psychological evaluation, anything for kids, any health care at all, actually, for, for minors is in a big picture of this. Who should decide this? You as the parent or as the guardian, if that is your situation, or the government? This uh, is a clip from Peggy Flanagan. She is the lieutenant governor from the state of Minnesota today. Here's what she said. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving health care. Now, she's talking about what's called gender-affirming health care, which I don't even know if it's the right term for that anyway. But what it is is it's puberty blockers. It's drugs that you would give your child to prevent puberty. You know, some people will say to slow it down, but it it can prevent it altogether or slow it down. There's a lot of side effects, a lot of difficulties. But the biggest one is that you are going to have a lifetime of care if you start to go down this path. How many of you listening have lifetime medical issues, issues that you're going to have to deal with for life? I have I take one pill that I only started a couple years ago for cholesterol that I'll have to take the rest of my life. I refused to take that pill as long as I could. And then I when I was Whatever age I was, I decided to take it. That's it. But I, I knew what I was doing making that decision, that you really should probably stay on. There's no way I could have made that decision or would have even wanted to, even as a young adult, frankly. Uh, and now we're talking about decisions that will alter life. And this is what's in the gender-affirming care. It will alter the future of their ability to have a family in a biologically natural way in many cases. Not every case, but in many cases. It will, abil- it will affect their ability to date. It will affect their social life. It will affect their work life. It will affect their health life. It will affect every single part of their life. Who should help them make that decision, the government or the parent? Here is uh, Peggy continuing on this subject. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. Really? So our job, and I want you to hear this. This is not some random person. This is the lieutenant governor of one of the 50 states, Minnesota, saying that when your child tells you who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and believe them. You know, if my parents had done that for me, I would not be on the radio today. I would be Batman because I was Batman. And they would have bought me a Batmobile and a Batcave. And they, if they would have listened to me, then that's what I would be doing. And I'd be out at night fighting crime, which would be awesome, except that it's not real. Right. That's what you know. my parents at some point had to say, you're not Batman. You know, stop, stop going out at night and fighting crime. The, the, I know that's just a it's a you know a ludicrous example, but there are all kinds of things as kids that we think we're going to do, and, and sometimes your job is to encourage you. What do we want to do? Well, you can do anything you want, son. Part of our job as parents is to encourage our kids. But if I wanted to go alter myself physically, whether it's get a tattoo or some other elective surgery, or in this case to actually begin the process of changing my gender, I do not believe that the parent's job is to sit there and simply affirm what this kid wants to do. 
That's what it means to be a good parent. No, it's not what it means to be a good parent. It's exactly the opposite. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up, too, because if you're listening to this, most likely you're in California. I know that many of you listen uh, on the uh, Alexa device or whatever you're out of state, but this is probably happening in your state, too, so it's very relevant to you. Do you know that in California right now there is a bill that is now going to committee in the California State Assembly that is going to direct the court to side with a parent in a custody dispute, the parent who is um, on the side of the child who wants this kind of care. With me to talk about this and to explain it is uh, Jennifer Kennedy. Jennifer Kennedy is an attorney, and she's an advocate uh, for kids, and she's here to help us understand what's happening in our state. Jennifer, welcome to Southern California Live. Glad to be here. Thank you, Scott, for having me. It's a great opportunity to reach our listeners and let them know what is going on with our legislature and what they're trying to tell family courts to do. Yeah, so I want you to explain this, and, you know, Friends, as we we talk about you know stuff going on and how to get involved, I think that almost all of us are going to be appalled at what we're about to hear is going on. No matter who you voted for, kind of whatever. So I think most of us actually are. And I also want you to know there are things that you can do about it now. This isn't we're going to wait a year and a half to vote and then those people, if we even change them, which we're you know unlikely to do, frankly. But but the best case scenario is almost two years before that actually happens. So tell us what's happening in on this particular bill. I'll tell you, it's AB 957, and time is of the essence because, as you said, Scott, it's going into a committee hearing on March 21st in front of the Judiciary Committee. AB 957 is going to direct the family court judges to uh, consider a new factor when they're determining what's in the best interest of a child um, that is the subject of contested custody or visitation proceedings. And this law, AB 957, wants to say that the judges should strongly consider that the better parent is the one who is affirming the child's gender transition. And when I say transition, I mean not only the medical transition that we talk about way down the pathway of surgeries and mutilation and genital changes. We're also talking about social transition, mm. going by a, a different pronouns, going by the different name, etc. And this wants to, this bill, AB 957, wants to make it a matter of law that it's always in the best interest of a child to affirm that self-directed gender transition idea. Basically what the governor just said, that you got to listen to those little children when they tell you something about themselves. And do what they say. And do what they say. And that's not being a good parent. It's also not being a good society. So, and we're talking about you know, a conflict that might happen between a divorced couple or maybe a single mom and suddenly dad wants to get involved when these things are happening or the father, maybe not dad, but suddenly he wants to be there. What are the other things like currently in the state law? What are the other things that the courts are being directed to side with this parent as the better parent? What are those things? There, there are actually just a few that are really laid out, enumerated in the family code, and they're pretty general because, of course, there's lots of things that parents might differ on. They're not all going to be mentioned in the statute, but the family code says that judges should look at number one, the health and safety and welfare of the child, uh, the time spent with the parents. How much time mm. is that parent devoting to the child? But also they need to look at drug use by the parent, alcohol use by the parent, or abuse by the parent, not only of maybe the child, but or of abuse of the ex, or even someone related to the ex. So what you see here are these enumerated negative factors that a judge is supposed to look at. Right. And that would seem, most of those to me seem 
kind of, uh, you know, normal. Like people would expect that. Yes. Right? You, you want a judge to yes. look at someone's behavior, but here's what they want to add. They want to add this fifth factor that says that the judge should strongly look at a parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity because it is in the best interest of the child to affirm their gender identity. That's the language that yeah. they want to put in our California law. And I have to tell you, when, when legislation comes out and as it goes through committee, the legislators prepare analysis of why this bill is important, what is underlying their, their reason for even putting it forth. And let me tell you right now, there's no analysis available for anyone to read, not me, not the public, mm. and not other legislators. That's right, because what would that analysis be? Just off the top of my head, you know, I'm thinking there might be some people listening who are, you know, who are empathetic to this, you know, and that's kind of been an issue with parenting for a while, right, is there was movements, you know, about let's not discipline the child at all. You know, first of all, well, don't spank. Okay, well, now, you know, then there was movement, don't discipline, right? There's movements about let them do whatever they want. If they want to go to school, if they want to do their homework, you know, there's different philosophies about all of that. But there's a lot of research that you can read about pros and cons of those things. There's decades of information of what has happened. There's almost nothing about this, except that off the top of my head, I'm thinking, well, of course you wouldn't want to do this for your kid. Almost all of the time, we do know that almost all of the time, the gender issues resolve themselves. Exactly. And the cure for gender dysphoria in most of the cases is puberty. That's Let right. the child get through their developmental phase. And typically they desist, they go back to their birth gender, and they move on with their body fully intact. And speaking of research, we do have research on the other side. That's right. We see countries around the world, United Kingdom, Sweden, Norway, Finland, France, all of them putting the brakes on childhood gender transitions, the medicalization of these children with gender drugs, and banning Minor surgeries, man, minor gender transitions. Those countries are doing that right now. How does this bill square with that? And these are not countries that you would think are somehow right-wing, real conservative, you know, religious. You know, these are very liberal states. Exactly. When they, you look at Sweden, right. Finland, Norway, you look at those Scandinavian right. countries that everybody says, oh, they're so inclusive, etc. These are the countries that are seeing that this is a negative and they need to slow it down and get more research. Parents can differ on almost anything, how That's to right. put the child to sleep, etc., whatever to do. This notion of telling California parents that one of you is wrong always is absolutely the, the wrong way to go here. You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Jennifer Kennedy. We're talking about Bill, California Assembly Bill AB 957. And what this bill is doing is it is defining for the courts which parent to side with in the issue of gender transitioning if a child. We're talking about minors here, okay? We're not talking about adults. We're not talking about 18-year-olds. We are talking about children. And children, you know, there's some controversy as to how young, but there's evidence that says this is, if you're going to have prepubescent care, well, then it's 12, it's 11, it's got to be younger than when kids go into puberty. I think kids are even having puberty younger now. They are. Like younger than... Age nine. You know, five uh, years ago when we were young and kids. Yeah, age nine. Mm -hmm. That's what you're hearing a lot. You're hearing yeah. about menstrual cycles beginning at age nine and yeah. onwards. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so in order to have those drugs do what they're intended to do, it has to start that young. 
Right. And, you know, earlier the quote you had from the governor where she was talking about listening to these little children and following their direction on gender, she said the words, uh, protect our kids. This We need to protect our children from these immature, uh, socially driven decisions that are coming at them from everywhere in the media. Right. In our schools, this transgender ideology is everywhere. It's like a little IV drip in the back of their very impressionable brains. I saw a clip uh, this morning. The audio was bad on it or I'd play it, but it was a Netflix cartoon, something I've never seen. My kids are going to outgrow them, but it was like little kid cartoon. And it was a little piggy announcing that they are non-binary and explaining that, you know, I'm not a he or a she, so you call me they or them. But this this cartoon is targeted toward five-year-olds. That's right. And, and that cartoon is on the TV when mom is busy washing dishes mm-hmm. or mom is elsewhere folding laundry or maybe even mom's in the next room. And they don't even realize that this is the little drip, drip, drip that's going into their children's brains, teaching them about these words like non-binary, things they've never heard of before, but they're trying to normalize through the media. Yes. I feel like sometimes when we talk about these things that there's a lot of us, uh, Jennifer, who are just hearing it and we go, nah, it can't be, right? Because it's so absurd, actually. We just feel like, I feel like maybe we these things are happening so much because we are not in tune to the fact that this is not an accident. This is a agenda. Uh, my view is it's, it's not an agenda that's really there to help kids or even help people who are transgender or having gender dysphoria. This has something to do with a, a movement to defeat and tear down the family, okay, that it's much bigger, much beyond the issue. I don't think, honestly, they care about the kids. I think that's a political agenda that's different. That's my opinion. I agree with you, Scott. In fact, what we see in the legislation in California is we call these incremental bills. Mm. They come into uh, being asking for just a little movement. They, they just want to add this to this statute here and there. And, for example, lowering the age of consent in any other context. You lower it in one bill in one area of the law, and then you get to lower the age of consent elsewhere. Mm. And in this one, sure, they want to put this in that, oh, this is to be strongly considered. Uh, gender affirming is now to be strongly considered as the best parent practice. Well, what's it going to be next? That it's the only, not strongly considered, but that it's the law of California, that it's the only best practice. That's what happens with these bills. They're nothing if not patient. You know, that, and that's, I think, a thing, is that when you have a, a vision, even if it's kind of a negative one that goes beyond you in your lifetime, you can be patient, Right. The Chinese government, we're learning, and if you take it to international affairs, has been very patient with us for 50 years about their plans, which we kind of know now of world dominance. Right. But if that's your plan, if your plan is to support the state and to support a certain agenda, you can it can outlive you. You just want to make incremental steps. That's right. And that's what the left does. Yes. And that's kind of just always a leftist thing, but it has to be stood up to. That's right. Otherwise, it'll be successful. That's right. And that's what's so important that I want our listeners to know is that there is something we can do. This has yet, AB 957 has yet to be heard in committee. We need to reach out directly to the Judiciary Committee members. There's just a handful of them. And they need to hear how much you oppose this overreach into parenting decisions. We cannot have the legislature telling the judiciary what to do, especially with zero science data or support behind this. And one of the ways these things get defeated, and we we talk about on the show, people often call up and say, well, we have to vote. Yeah, but you don't get to vote for a long time, right? But one of the things you can do, 
And maybe it's intimidating to make this phone call. I, you know, I get that. But one of the things that your phone call does or your attendance at one of these things, sometimes there's different ways even to attend, is that it lets the legislators know that people are learning about this because what they're trying to do is do this without anybody knowing. And the truth is, in California especially, we don't pay attention to what happens in Sacramento. We don't pay attention at all. And you wonder why our state's so bad. Well, part of it is almost nobody, except for Jennifer Kennedy, is paying attention (laughs) And one of the ways to even stop this in committee is to let that committee know that we're paying attention. That's right. And that really means picking up the phone, calling these legislators and telling them, you see what they're doing, you oppose it, and also coming up and joining me up at the Capitol in person. All right. So how do we do that? So some people, if they want to come up to the Capitol, you know, uh, there's a freeway. Uh, what are the dates? But for, I think, almost all of our listeners, they're not going to be able to join you up there. But what can they do? True. Okay. Those who can't join me on March 21st and make a day of it, of opposing this bill in the Judiciary Committee, you can immediately look up the Judiciary Committee members and call their offices. And you can also send emails through what's called the Legislative Position Portal. And that is on the California Legislature's website. Easy Google searches. Just put in any words you choose and you're going to come up with that legislative portal. Another thing you can do is look up two organizations I'm going to tell you about. And this is California Family Council. And they are at CaliforniaFamily.org and SaveCalifornia.com. Those are two really fantastic nonprofits who are out there to empower you as parents and citizens to know what your legislature is doing and how to fight back. You know, my friends, it's just, it's worth the time. You know, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I answered mail for a congressperson. And something I'll tell you is that people who took the time to write and actually express themselves. And not just sending in a form letter that you got from somebody and everybody's sending in the same letter and you just sign the bottom. They took the time to write, which doesn't take a lot of time. Four minutes, you know, it takes you a few minutes and a stamp or hear a phone call just a few minutes. They make an impact. It really does. Because at the end of the day, people want to get reelected and they want the power and they want the nice dinners and they want to go to the French laundry. They don't want to wear a mask. You know, use that against these things and make the call. Uh, Jennifer Kennedy, anything else uh, just to leave people with here for how they can be involved? Uh, I want to let people know that this bill uh, is very scary, actually. And they need to, this is the time to view this as an emergency for parents and children in the state of California, because I cannot think of anything worse than being a parent simply trying to navigate through this gender transition idea, Mm -hmm. even the notion of it, but then have to fight in court and possibly have your custody of your own own child taken from you That's right. because you don't agree. This is critical. People might not be able to fly up to Sacramento. Maybe you're going to spend $400. Is $400, would you spend that to save the life of a child? I would. Yeah. All right, everybody. I want you to, to think about this and do something. Don't just do nothing, but do something. If you need those addresses and stuff, again, how do we reach you? You're on social media so people can find Jennifer social Kennedy. Media, you can find me on Jennifer Lynn on Facebook. L-Y-N-N. L-Y-N-N with the uh, American flag eyeball or on uh, Twitter at Jen Revere. All right. Do that. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Jennifer Kennedy, thanks for being with me today on Southern California Live. All right. When we get back, I'm going to want to know what your opinion is about uh, this thing and about parents. You know, what 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 decisions should parents be allowed to make about their kids, health care or other things? 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow will be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Well, my heart says that the way I feel most myself is to go by the name Fred. That's because I'm non-binary, and Fred is the name that fits me best. And I also use they and them, because calling me a she or a he doesn't feel right to me. Oh, I didn't know that. No wonder you've been struggling. How could you lead the herd without being yourself? Oh, I'm sorry I used the wrong name and pronouns. Thank you for showing me your heart. That is from the Netflix cartoon that I mentioned right before the break that is targeted towards your little kids. And it is um, pushing the uh, agenda of, uh, it, you know, we might call it the, the transgenderism or something. There's different words for it. I think it's way beyond just those issues. I think it has more to do with the attack on the family that is necessary for whatever changes people think uh, they're going to make. The change, by the way, this has been tried before. I don't know if you know this. This was tried in, uh, in China before, in the Chinese uh, Revolution. They tried to undo the family and undo a lot of things that were foundational. It's a great study for you because what often happens with revolutionaries who want to undo what the family is or undo the foundations that every single human society has ever had, by the way, when they try that, um, it never turns out well for the revolutionaries, by the way, mostly. Once in a while, they find themselves in some kind of political power and they become the elite. But for most people who are a part of it, they become oppressed like they've never been before. Would you like to actually be in the communist Chinese system today? Or if you were one of the people who revolted against the czars, who needed to be revolted against, frankly, but uh, you decided to follow Lenin and that crowd, how did that turn out? for uh, the people who ended up under the the rule of uh, Joseph Stalin ultimately. Well, for 20 million of them, that ended up dead. And uh, there's still a problem for all of that. It's not a place of freedom. It's not a place of utopia. And that's one of the things that we're having trouble with in our culture today is that this agenda, the the academics, or somebody who was talking about, we might talk about this uh, later on today, but that you know everybody who's got a little sign in their yard that says, you know, I support, uh, and that's got all these different issues, they're not necessarily on board with the academic push to undo the family. They're just trying to be nice and they don't want any, you know, they're, they're making a statement and okay. But there's, you have to realize that the reason that we have bills in our state assembly that are targeting parents, and there's, there's many bills, actually, we're going to talk about several of them uh, as we get going uh, on this in the next few weeks, because they're there, you got to deal with them now. It's much bigger than just what that bill has to say. What do you think about this? What what role do parents play? What are some things that parents should have the right to decide for their kids? Right? Should I have the right to decide? I believe it's a, it is illegal still to get a tattoo until you're 18. I think that's correct. Do I have the right? What if it wasn't? Do I have the right to, to tell my kid tattoo or no tattoo? Where do you draw the line? 888-528-2557. Cindy in Valley Village, welcome to Southern California Live. Um, thank you so much for this very important topic. As a mom and parents, we're so busy that we're, we don't, you're just bringing an awareness that we need. Um, and I remember reading, hearing that the brain's not fully developed uh, until they're 24 years old. Um, and as a parent, 18 uh yes not make any of these decisions until 18 uh 
a year ago, they tried to do it with the, you know, children um, make their decisions about vaccines and health care. So um, it's ongoing, like you said, and it's to divide the family. And that's in the Bible. And and it, it brings me back to train your children, uh, you know, it, it, to study the Bible. Um, well, you train your children in the way they should go, Right. That, yeah. And what's happening, though, is I think that when the government starts to get involved, maybe the government is not going to allow you to train your children in the way they should go, in the way you think they should go, right? I mean, there might there's a lot of issues. Let's say tattoos, for example. Um, it's a lifelong decision. You can have them removed now. In fact, it's a growing business. But uh, I have a friend who got a tattoo, and he was an adult when he got it, and it looked like it was supposed to be the state of Iowa on his shoulder because that's where he's from. Um and they did a terrible job. It looked like a bruise on his shoulder, you know. So what happened is, as guys, we just go up and we punch him in the Iowa as often as possible, just to to make the state bigger as it burns. Um, but you know, as a kid, you you don't think of permanence the same way. And uh, Cindy, thank you for your call and for calling Southern California Live. I think that is one of the issues here of why parents have to parent because when you get older, you realize permanence, you realize um, broken hearts, you realize. Even you know, making it through good times and bad times, you realize things about money that you did. There's so many things that you realize that as a kid, you don't care about or you think you know about, and uh, you don't. 888-528-2557. Lydia in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Lydia. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, this is really disturbing, and just... From, from you know, I'm not a parent myself, but I can just imagine from a parental standpoint, as well as, you know, I, I'm sure that there are people who legitimately are questioning this and going through hell mm-hmm. dealing with this, you know, like children. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I have some friends who have who have uh, been going through this. It's very, very, very difficult for them. And they're adults, you know. Yes. Um, a couple of thoughts. There are some people who legitimately struggle with this issue, and there are some who it's a trendy topic right. for some people right now. So, you know, um, how you know parents need to be able to um, assist their children with navigating to differentiate that. You know, also, they're saying studies are finding that people are not really mature until they're like 25 years old. So, I mean, there's, I think this is just way too risky. You know, way too risky yeah. physically and emotionally for children, regardless of what someone believes, um, you know, or feels regarding that issue. You know, Lydia, um, one of the things that you say there that I think is really um, helpful, and, and it's it's where some of the challenges, right, that we don't have the ability sometimes to, most of the time, to make these decisions until we're an adult at some point, 24, 26, 35, 40. I mean, the older you get, the more you realize how dumb you were before, right? But... Um, the, what the proponents of this will say is that, well, if the child thinks they're transgender, then you want to, you want to start before puberty because then they don't develop, you know, the, the muscles and the stuff. If they're a man or a boy, um, then when they join the women's swim team later in college, they will have not gone through puberty and they won't have as much of an advantage. And plus they've already, you know, there's all kinds of argument that direction. But one of the things you pointed about pointed out is the contagion it's called the contagion factor which is something where kids are doing it because it's trendy and in almost every case and as somebody who's worked with kids in youth group who have dealt with this 
right? In church youth group, in fact, if you don't realize this, I promise you, your church youth group is dealing with this. Your church youth director is dealing with this. It's a huge issue. All kinds of sexual issues are, homosexuality, the whole thing, uh, pornography, but also these. What you find out over time is that the kids who are struggling, who are, you know, when I was more active with that, it was gender fluid was the idea. And you can be, and we had a kid who was a different thing every year, all through high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, he was a different thing. Uh, and he graduated, and uh, in the one case, there's actually two kids like that. One case, he was just straight. Another kid decided he was homosexual later. I don't know where that landed, but that doesn't even fit into this category, actually. It's a different thing. Um, but what a tragedy it would have been for either of them to take these drugs or to have surgeries. Um, tragedy's not even the right word. It's actually an atrocity because I think it's something that's being done to them, right? If we don't think that they're old enough to... If we don't think they're old enough to make the decision, then we also have to recognize that if they are led down the wrong path, then somebody's doing something to them. And that's where I think the outrage is that we need to have about this. Uh, Lydia, thank you for your call, uh, for calling Southern California Live. You, you get the difference with that. We have to be careful. When your words, you know, I've probably used words in different ways. We all do that aren't necessarily the right word. But there's a difference between tragedy and atrocity, right? Uh, 9-11 is not a tragedy. It's an atrocity. Okay, Many people have gone through a tragedy. The way you feel it and receive it if you lost somebody on that day was a tragedy. It's a tragic thing. But the action was an atrocity. right? We didn't do that to ourselves. It was a criminal, horrific thing that was brought upon innocent people. That's an atrocity. And that's what we're doing to our kids in a whole lot of level. And I think wherever you're at in the political spectrum, you know, left and right, I think most of us agree with this. This is where I stand on this kind of thing, that it, it's – I think it gets portrayed as sort of a Republican or Democrat thing. I don't think so. I think the reality is that it's almost everybody thinks that this is not correct. I think that maybe because of the politics and because of fear and other things, not everybody is standing up together. But I think that we need to do that. 888-528-2557 is the number. Chet in Monterey Park. Welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I was just wanted to ask, um, uh, it's something like somewhat what was on topic. Um, I've tried to go to council meetings and I've tried to, uh, you know, learn about the, how to vote properly to know what they're, uh, to understand what I'm actually voting for. But everything that you read is double talk. You don't actually know what you're getting. And then when you go to council meetings, they don't even hold it on days that you can go. Most people work nine to five. When it's being held, people are at their jobs. They can't do anything about even showing up. So I was wondering, what could we do to prevent this to actually have a say and to have a voice? Chet, that is a great question. Tell you what I'm going to do. i got to go to a break. So can you hold on during the break? Sure. Now, Jennifer Kennedy, who was my guest in the first section, she's still sitting here. So if she has to go, I'm going to ask her during the break what the answer is to your question. But she is an expert at this, and if she can hang around and answer your question, I'm going to have her do that. So can you hang on? Yes, thank you. All right, thank you, Chet. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and the number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back with the answer to Chet's question as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. On the phone is Chet. Thanks for holding on through the break, Chet. Uh, yes, sir. I appreciate that. So, Chet asked this question. We're talking about how to deal with some uh, bills and politics. It can be Sacramento. It could be your local city government somewhere. But how do we people, how do we as people uh, get involved when we don't really have time? So earlier in the first segment, I had Jennifer Kennedy with me in the studio, and she's still in the studio sitting across here, even though we already said goodbye and thank you. So I thought, you know, Jennifer is very active in this. What would you say to somebody who I think Chet's got a great question here? Um, what do I do? I got to go to work. How do I get involved with this? Um, Chet, I commend you for wanting to be involved in your local politics and in city council action. And you're exactly right. They hold these meetings in the middle of the workday, and sometimes the agenda goes on and on and on. You have no way to plan on how you can get there. So I have some suggestions for you on how you can start getting involved. And number one is find out what district you're in and who your specific council person is. You probably know. And call up the office and ask to uh, have a meeting at any time. Somehow that can work. Work out, or you can speak to the aides and see if there's any um, town hall or other public kind of event where your city council person is going to be, like down at the farmer's market on the weekend or at a, a store opening or whatever. That's one way to start making engagement with your actual council member. Second thing is, did you know you can go onto the city council website and you can sign up for email updates? And you will get emails of the various agendas for meetings that are coming up. And you'll get them in advance, and you can look at them and see if there's anything interesting that you want to talk to your city council person about. Um, Those are my two big suggestions right there. And I'm so glad you're interested in getting involved because in a city this large, we need interested people like you. You know, Jennifer, you're able to do all this. This is what you do. Okay. But – does it matter? I, I think it matters. And my experience in a long time ago working is that you might be just one phone call or one voice. Chet might make one phone call to a city council person, but you're one of a bunch, and they start to pay attention as that number builds up. Absolutely, we they do. Have a, we used to have a formula of what one handwritten letter meant for how many votes this is. Right? right. That There was a thought about that. You might be one person, but they might say, you know, you represent 50, or you represent, you know, and. At the end of the day, people want to get reelected. That's that's a thing one, that politicians want, right? One of the uh, the issues I was having with the uh, the voting registration is that when you read through it as a normal Joe, right, um, it, it seems like everything that you read, you you don't even know what you're actually voting for because it is double sided. And when you go to look up any information on it, you're getting all the positive from both sides, none of the negative, like. Uh, for an example, um, they say a right to work vote. Uh, to me, that would be like, well, yeah, of course I want a right to work, mm. but it's not exa- at all what you would think it is. Well, that's one of the tricks, right, Jennifer? That's used is you title a bill or you title something that might be a ballot measure in a positive way. How can you vote against that? Um, how can you vote against uh, gender affirming care? Or you know, abortion usually is um, you know, uh, female health care. Right. It's it's reproductive care. How can you be against reproductive care? Because in that you're talking about any any sort of medication, mammograms, and you're talking about a whole flute and a bunch of stuff. 
and really you're just talking really it means abortion is what it means but that's the confusing language that's used how do we how do we cut through that i guess you got to read the bill i was gonna say one way you cut through it is simply have a policy of ignoring the title just don't just look past (laughs) that title and know that it's being massaged and spun a certain way uh by the authors who really want to pass that remember prop 19 it was all about tax break for seniors and wildfire assistance who's not going to vote for that and that thing crushed uh you know our, our tax breaks here in this estate on property transfers. You know, in a, in a national we, one. Could, uh, we ask for, sorry, could we ask for a bill to where it actually makes them uh, speak truth, like completely straight with you exactly what's going on? And they have to list it that way because their their powers, you know, ahead of people. You know, Chet, that's a really great point. And um, it has been introduced that the job of writing those titles for propositions be taken away from the um, Secretary of State, right, and be given to an independent office, maybe the Legislative Analyst Office. That hasn't happened yet, but that would be a great idea if you had an independent third party tasked with writing those titles. Yeah, Chet, I appreciate uh, your calls on this. I think you're asking great questions that a lot of people have. On this, and uh, you know, I've been thinking about a couple of things in California. Remember, it was Prop Eight, which was uh, the gay marriage one years ago. Um, but you had they they worded it in such a way that what they what you thought was a yes was really a no, right? They do that sometimes, and you got to be careful. And then you know, recently in Washington, the the uh, what was it, the Inflation Reduction Act, which had nothing to do with inflation. It was all a climate change bill, you know, act is what it really was, and that's what everybody's celebrating. But they lied. In the title, that one you couldn't even get some of the liberal media to go along with it. They would, you know, they it was so completely untrue, and and this happens in in newspapers and websites. They'll put down a folks a headline because they know that a lot of people read the headlines, but they don't read the article. And often, when you read the article, you find out on paragraph twenty six that the headline is the opposite of what actually is being reported. Uh, this happens all the time. Uh, in the meantime, and Jennifer, you're a lawyer, but I imagine they'll take these things away and give them to some lawyer who deliberately <laughs> confuses everybody. Now, don't give us a bad name. There are good ones out there. I'm giving lawyers a bad name. I uh, <laughs> have to do a lot of shows to do that. <laughs> all right. Let me get uh, uh, Rodney in Inglewood. Rodney, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, hi, Pastor. Hi, Rodney. Uh, um, the first thing I want to do is apologize. Oh, don't worry about that, Rodney. Don't don't worry at all about that. I know what you were trying to do, and uh, this. If you're listening a couple of days ago, yeah, don't worry about that, Rodney. I agree with your guest a hundred percent. My major was psychology, and some of psychology believe in evolution and all that Darwinism stuff. I don't. The gene PSA, which has been uh, verified by empirical data. Children at a certain age, when their brains are not developed, say, for instance, you're going to do this experiment. All you ought to do is experience them children, and they can see it. When they look into a mirror, and they, you say, where's your right hand at? And it'd be their left hand. Their brains are not developed. Mm. Yeah. And when uh, their brains are not, they cannot there's no way that they can conceive that because their brains are not developed. Yeah. See, and that's a, what you're talking about, Rodney, is real science. 
right? That And that's one of the things that is the disconnect here. Uh, and Rodney, thanks for calling Southern California Live. And, and honestly, we love you. Don't worry about the other day, okay? Uh, everything is good. Uh, but thanks for calling today and calling us back. You know, Rodney's talking about real science that talks about the development of the brain. And it's not that that science is always right, but real science questions itself. You know, as soon as you have scientists saying that the science has been settled or they'll, or anybody who says, here's the science, but they don't quote any real studies or anything, then you have a problem. We know that kids aren't developed. We know that even psychologically, just in mental development or experience, experiential development. It's hard to make uh, good lifelong choices. This is why you aren't allowed to buy a beer until you're 21, right? That's the reason. It isn't because we don't want to sell and make tax money and, and make an income by selling a bunch of kids beer, right? If it was, if children were able to make the right decision about alcohol, um, we would sell it. There would be no age restriction. We know that this is a problem. That's why it's 21. Right. We have we know your insurance company, your car insurance company knows that you are going to be less responsible as a driver, uh, particularly. In fact, you're you're less responsible as a male driver, I think, until you're 26. I think when I turned 26, I got a huge discount on my uh, my car insurance. I think for women, that number might be 23 or 24. But you get a discount when you get into your late 20s because you're more experienced, you're, but you're also more likely to uh, be careful. You're more likely, part of it's because you're more likely to have a family, you're more likely to be, you know, there's a whole lot of things. I mean, I used to drive my car and I had a Honda Civic and I would do donuts in the parking lot at school with a dirt parking lot and I could get my younger sister's friends in that car and spin around and it was they'd scream and yell and I would laugh and I'm literally spinning out and coming close to crashing and uh, that was awesome until my mother saw me do it and then I had my license taken away uh, you know because you know uh, as good as I felt that I was at doing that because as you remember I'm Batman um it's not a responsible thing to do it's a very cost if I would have hit the fence or fallen into a ravine or hit another car or a student and somebody got hurt, I'd be in terrible trouble. Your insurance company knows that that's true. And yet our state legislature is pushing things on us that on children and Netflix is putting it on children. Disney's putting it on children that they're not capable of understanding. And that is why we have to get involved. This is an attack on children. And we do, as one caller said, we do need to be compassionate for people who are going through gender dysphoria and the, the mental issues that are there. I want to you know, point out that that's why we have to also make this beyond that, because this is a much different agenda. And it's not really for helping these kids. It's about the breakdown of society and the deliberate attempt to do that, because that's how you change the, the government to whatever utopia you think you're going to have later, uh, which in human history has never worked. It's never worked. All right. Uh, Jennifer's still sitting here. Jennifer, thanks for being with us again. My pleasure. And Thank you so calls. much. And for the work you do, we'll have you on again soon. I know it's really, really helpful for people. And uh, thanks for being with us. If you want the podcast, you can always go to our radio station website or go to Spotify. Look for Southern California Live with Scott Furrow, and you can get any hour of our show. All right. I'm going to be back for hour two in just a minute. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.